We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromwell, and we are easily in the midst of the wildest NFL offseason. And I put the word offseason in air quotes on purpose, imaginable, because we've had blockbuster trades, star quarterbacks changing teams, and another one to change teams in a couple of days, and a divisional arms race, the likes of which the NFL has never seen before. And we haven't even had the draft yet. In just over 40 days, teams will have another golden opportunity to add to their arsenal in a draft class that is characterized by depth, depth, and more depth. And arguably no position in this draft goes deeper this year than that of edge pass rusher. And joining us tonight to give us his take on this talented group of potential future quarterback disruptors is our good friend, Nick Kendall of milehighhuddle.com. Welcome back to the program, Nick. How you doing? Like I said, before we started the show, I'm still really trying to process this uh, Devontae Adams trade that just came down. I mean, gosh, what a massive blockbuster deal. I uh, don't think anybody really saw it coming. I mean, you heard the Devontae Adams was shopping for a house in Vegas, but I think he's from the area. No, he's college teammates with uh, former college teammates with uh, Derek Carr, but uh, man, absolutely wild. The AFC West, I don't even, I don't even know what to do. I mean, the, gosh, they should just, they should really just close off the games and play every single team plays each other, you know, double the amounts that they were going to and screw the rest of the schedule. Let's just have the AFC West every week. Oh, absolutely. Nick, this easily could be the most star studded division in NFL history. And as I just uh, posted on my social media accounts, the NFL should just cancel the rest of the AFC, say for the Buffalo bills and Josh Allen, uh, Burrow and the Bengals and Lamar and the Ravens and let all those teams compete it out for, uh, let's say five playoff spots instead of seven, so to speak. <laughs> but yeah. uh, anyway, let's, uh, Talk about this edge class as we still got a long way to go until September. And as of right now, the number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft is widely expected to be Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan. And there is a lot to like about him, including his nonstop motor and his freakish athleticism, which was illustrated by his 6.73 second three gone drill at the combine. However, one knock on him is his less than ideal arm length, which comes in at 32 and one eighth inches. The amount of pass rushers with arms that short who have found success in the NFL is rather small. Mm -hmm. Say you're the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars, assuming your offensive line needs are already taken care of. Would Aiden Hutchinson's arm length alone be enough for you to pass on him? Uh, I mean, it's something that you have to consider, but Joey Bosa also had arm length. That wasn't ideal, you know, 33 and three eights. And uh, Nick, actually, excuse me, Nick Bosa um, had the arm length. That wasn't ideal also. And uh, while with Aiden Hutchinson, you do feel like maybe the doesn't have the ceiling, the explosive ceiling of a Trevon Walker or even a Kayvon Thibodeau type. Um, his floor is so high. I mean, if you listen to this guy talk, he's been a professional for the last five, six years. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are a team that they're a team that probably doesn't need to be swinging for the fences as far as a uh, home runner bust, you know, hitting a double with that first overall pick, bringing somebody who has a massive high ceiling that can help set the culture there a little bit more. And, Bring in some hard workers. I think gives them a uh, gives them a legs up with Hutchinson. So bringing an adult into the room, and uh, also it was a uh, Nick Bosa didn't have the best arm length at 33 inches. So uh, it is something to consider uh, with Aiden Hutchinson. But he also had you know 99th percentile three cone. Uh, the the vertical jumps was pretty good. 80th percentile, the 10 yard split. 
was uh, one of the top, I think, seven of the edge rushers this year, one of the top eight from the edge rushers. So, and on top of the film. So it's definitely a concern. There's a reason that he's not Will Anderson, who will probably be a top three pick next season. Um, but uh, in this class, specifically for the Jaguars, I, I get it. I get it a lot. Oh, absolutely. There is clearly a very, very good case for Aiden Hutchinson to be that number one overall pick. And he would absolutely help the Jacksonville Jaguars immediately, like you said, not just with his play, but with his uh, work ethic, his culture. He will definitely raise the morale of that locker room that sorely needs it right now. And uh, you mentioned Trayvon Walker, who, in my opinion, was the best performer at the Combine. He ran a 4.51 second 40 and posted a 6.89 second three cone at 272 pounds. That is unheard of. And thus he became a lock top five pick. While they say you must bet on traits when it comes to edge rushers, and Walker obviously has traits in spades, there is one stat that has me a bit concerned about him. As uh, Marcus Mosier, a noted NFL draft analyst, pointed out, Trayvon Walker only averaged .58 tackles for loss a game at Georgia, and the hit rate for edge players who averaged less than .8 tackles for loss per game in college is astonishingly low. That said, you brought up a very good counterpoint by saying that that number was mainly due to how Trayvon Walker was utilized uh, in that Georgia defense. Do you think the stars are aligned for Trayvon Walker to buck that trend, so to speak? I think the stars are aligned for Trayvon Walker to buck that trend. Uh, His utilization, he played a lot of five technique and a lot of his role was to occupy and play the edge and play the run first and then allow those other line, the linebackers to come downhill, fill the gaps and pursue. And some of the stats for Walker as well, it's kind of like when you have you, you know, let's say you have five all pro wide receivers. Oh no. Wide receiver. Number five, isn't getting anything. He's an all pro talent still, but he's not getting the stats. That's kind of like what it was like at Georgia this year with the amount of defensive talent they had in the front seven. I mean, you talk about uh, Devontae Wyatt, you talk about Jordan Davis, you talk about Jalen Carter, Adam Anderson was there for a little bit. Um, and then Quay Walker, uh, Cheney, uh, uh, Tyndall, uh, Channing Tyndall. That's Channing Tyndall. Right. Yeah. Channing. I was like Chandler Tyndall, Channing Tyndall. And then, uh, Nicobe Dean as well. So, um, I'm not as worried about the, uh, the stats for Walker because his role was odd and the talent that played around him. But if not every single position, the traits translate as much the pure athletic traits, edge rusher is one of them. Um, he's physical. Also his run defense is teach tape. Um, I know that you're not drafting a guy in the top five for the run defense, but that makes me think that he's not a dummy. You know, he knows what he's doing. He can take the coaching because his run defense is that good. Um, so along with the traits, I mean, he had pterodact- pterodactyl arms or wings, whatever you want to call them. Um, I would bet on him for sure. I think that, I really think there's a good chance that he goes top three in this class, um, given his traits and the position he plays. And I know some people think that's crazy, but again, he's playing five technique and his role really doesn't look like he's allowed to rush the passer as much. He doesn't have the space because he's lined up way closer to that tackle. doesn't get the runway. So uh, I would bet on him. He's also what he was 20 years old last year compared to some other guys. So uh, I'm, I'm betting on Trevon Walker. Absolutely a strong case to bet on Trayvon Walker. Indeed. And uh, when you were on uh, this program this time last year, you talked about a certain pass rusher from Oregon named Kayvon Thibodeau. And uh, back then and up until November, a lot of people had him as the surefire first overall pick in this year's draft. However, the rise of Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker, for that matter, uh, not only have uh, knocked him out of that conversation, rumor has it that he is expected to fall rather far, dare I say, because a lot of scouts have raised concerns about his uh, passion for the game, so to speak. And is there anything on his tape 
that justifies the concerns about Thibodeau's supposed lack of passion and love for the game? Or do you think the NFL is just overanalyzing and a potential stud is going to fall into a winning team's arms? Man, that's so hard to say uh, because we're dealing with, you know, half the puzzle pieces here compared to some of the NFL teams. Um, but I think that the, the way on tape that you might say that uh, there are some concerns with him is that he is so raw still with his hand technique, his pass rush arsenal. He's mainly winning on his athletic traits and bend, which is great. I mean, there's a reason that people were saying first overall a year ago. Uh, so that is a concern. Also, just the game to game fluctuation is pretty, pretty wild as well. It can be at least I. Uh, the tape enough for me is to take him in the top five, uh, this class. I mean, that's three edge rush in the top five, Nick, I know. Um, but if you can't get after the quarterback, you're done. So, um, that's, uh, I wouldn't have an issue with it from where I sit. Um, but there's the human element as well. And these teams know a bit more than I do. And they put, I mean, millions upon millions of dollars to investigate these players and figure out what makes them tick. So, uh, you know, who's to say, but the traits, the bend, the burst, all that stuff, um, there's a lot of tools that he has that he can get a lot better still. So um, I, we'll see if he falls. Um, it will be interesting, but uh, he's one I'm keeping an eye on because he definitely has what you're looking for as far as a prototype pass rusher from a stand-up position. And uh, to add, Daniel Jeremiah, I believe, uh, said that uh, a concern he has with Thibodeau is that he takes some plays off and loafs from time to time. Do you see that yeah. as well? Yeah, the, the play-to-play consistency is not always great. Uh, I mean, you don't, you don't say that really with Aiden Hutchinson. You don't really say that with Jermaine Johnson. You don't really say that with Trevon Walker. You can't say that about David Ajabo because he's not out there enough in rundowns to say that. Um, but uh, it definitely is a concern. So you really got to figure out what makes this guy tick um, if you're willing to invest in the person as much as the player. And that does make a difference uh, for these teams. So again, top five talent. Uh, but if, he, if somebody's scared off about his personality or his drive or he's a little bit weird, uh, then you know, some team might not like him. Somebody's going to take him, though, in the top 10, top 15. And that's the athletic profile at a position of value that I personally would be fine betting on. If he falls out of the top 10, uh, teams will probably be tripping over themselves to take him to get a pass for service caliber. Uh, yes, and uh, assuming the Atlanta Falcons are unable to land Deshaun Watson, and there's a 50% chance that they will be able to land him, at least in my opinion, based on the tea leaves out there. Uh, Lance Zierlein um, said that he thinks the floor for Kayvon Thibodeau remains eight overall with the Falcons. Yeah, makes total sense. Um, that's a uh, that's a big one. It's breaking news from Schefter. The Carolina Panthers are out on Deshaun Watson, too. So, um Obviously, that seemed like that was always the case, but uh, now it's official for Adam Schefter. So uh, interesting yeah. to see there. Uh, yeah, Joe Person but, of the Athletic uh, hinted the same thing this morning. He said that barring a Hail Mary, the Panthers know they're not going to get Deshaun Watson either. So uh, it just uh, backs up reporting from early this morning, and it's now official, so to speak. So uh, yeah. Falcons and Saints for Deshaun Watson, and Watson Watch is likely to last early in the next week as the Falcons have upped their deadline to uh, account Matt Ryan's uh, – bonus uh, for for the season so that's a situation we'll be keeping an eye on here at sports crunch as well but back to the theme of tonight's program the edge class you mentioned mm -hmm. david ojabo uh, mm -hmm. aiden hutchinson's um playmate at uh, the university of michigan who also exploded onto the scene uh, this year and uh, like uh trayvon walker he has tools for days so to speak he's a little bit underdeveloped especially in the run game but uh, as they say when it comes to edge bet on traits. And there was an NFC scout that told Lance Zierline that he thinks that David Ojabo will have a more productive NFL career than even Aiden Hutchinson. Would you be shocked or surprised if this eventually came to fruition? 
I guess it depends on what they mean by more productive career because the run defense does matter from the edge position. It still does. I know that a lot of people say the run game doesn't matter, but having your defensive players not be negatives in the run game um, matters a lot for how you can play in the box and with your coverage on the back end. So right now it's a pure projection projection with the job on the run game. Uh, every time that he was in there in that uh, Georgia Michigan game, Michigan ran at him to the point where Michigan was doing, taking him off the field in rundowns. And that's a concern. Now he does have length in the frame where he can get better there. Uh, but I, that's a, that is a concern early on. You know, are you going to get the value out of him on first and second down or our team's going to target him? Uh, so he's going to have to get better there. I do really love, I mean, the length is amazing. Um, he has some very violent hands to rip off blocks as well. And uh, he also has a, for how raw he is, or have minimal snaps, whether it was only like 12 snaps or something crazy the year prior, or, you know, 26 snaps. Um, his hands are pretty good in the run game or in the pass game, excuse me. So he has some moves to get there. Love his ball production as well. You know, we, I think we were talking about uh, Randy Gregory for the Broncos, how uh, incredible he is as far as not only getting sacks but when he does get home, ripping the ball out and creating turnovers. Um, that's something you see with the Jabo as well. But the run game early on is a concern. You're not drafting pass rushers in the first round for their run defense. You're drafting them for what they can be as pass rushers. But if they are detrimental, it does concern you. Yes, and I believe uh, Randy Gregory was the pro cop that ESPN's Jordan Reed issued for David Ojabo. Very, hmm. very good observation there, Nick. Interesting. And, uh, I think I think Gregory's got a little bit more burst um, coming out of Nebraska. I mean, he was his burst was insane. Nebraska it really ticked me off because I do not like the Nebraska football. Um, but uh, that that one does make sense. Yes, and speaking of uh, betting on traits. Last year, Odafe Owe, currently of the Baltimore Ravens, who had a very, very good rookie year, by the way, he was a first-round pick almost solely because of his raw athletic traits. He didn't have the production, at least in terms of sacks, so to speak, uh, in college. And we could very well get an identical situation this year in Minnesota's Boye Mafe, who posted a 41-and-a-half-inch vertical at his pro day this week. Just how high is the ceiling for Boye Mafe, and do you think he is worth a top-20 pick? Ooh, top 20, man. That's a good line for him. Um, I think if this edge class wasn't so deep, uh, you would be seeing him go in the top 20, but because it is so deep, I could see him falling into the 25 to 30 range as well. Um, he's a little bit older for an edge rusher. I believe he's going to be 23 this year, um, which does matter for the position. Um, and uh, he's behind like Jermaine Johnson as well. I, I would personally, as much as I like George Karloftis, I'd probably take Mafe over George Karloftis right now. Um, some of that's going to be very scheme dependent. You know, if you're looking for a classic, more classic four, three edge, Karloft is probably a guy where Mafia, I think has a little bit more versatility to stand up. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I like him a lot. He was dominant in the senior bowl. Um, and he's God, he's such a freak. Um, I, I'm, we're talking about all these Iowa Hawkeye giant rivals with these amazing edge rushers. It's kind of ticking me off, um, but not, <laughs> not really. Um, uh, but he's smooth. I really like his, uh, ability. He has amazing burst uh, his first step is awesome you can see the explosiveness with his jumps as well um and he has good length so he's uh he's good i think sometimes he could be a little better with his processing in the run game kind of seeing where the ball's going and then getting off blocks um but so he's a good player he's still getting getting it together wish he was a little bit younger for how he's still kind of pulling all this still together but a very very good player um versatile i'd be curious to see him even used in space sometimes i know what is he like 265 um, but he's versatile enough. I think you could use him in a role where he can do some uh, hook zone, some dropping off to the flats as well um, from time to time. Uh, if you want a versatile front where you're not exactly sending the same four guys every time. 
And you mentioned George Karlaftis, and George Karlaftis is a guy that uh, I personally like, and uh, Thor Nystrom, who we had on this program a couple weeks ago, likes as well. But uh, naturally, he's going to get deemed, so to speak, because not only uh, does he lack length, so to speak, he's definitely not the most uh, freakish athlete out there compared to all these other guys we've talked about so far. Nonetheless, you cannot deny that George Karlaftis is the ultimate competitor. And uh, I don't mean to bring back more bad memories for you as an Iowa Hawkeye fan, but you saw him this year almost single-handedly upset the Hawkeyes. No, they did upset the Hawkeyes. Almost single-handedly because of him. Yeah, him and David Bell. uh, Yeah, but uh, Karlaftis, uh, he just has that nonstop motor, and he is constantly disruptive. And as they say in the NFL, disruption is production, and he is a proven disruptor based on the uh, analytical data, uh, so to speak. But that said, even when uh, he was having those great performances this season, Dane Brugler says that a lot of teams had him as a second-round pick uh, because uh, of his lack of length and uh, freakish athleticism. Do you think he is still worth that first round pick though? Yeah, he's a pass rusher. He's worth the first round pick. Um, my big concerns with George Karloftis is, is he versatile enough to be moved around the line of scrimmage as a pass rusher? Because I don't know if he's truly bendy enough, so to speak, to be that edge in that you want. I mean, he will because he's going to be a first round pick, but the one that you want on the outside rushing the passer, I think he'd be more valuable if I felt more comfortable with him you know, sometimes line up a three technique or a four I or a five. And I don't really like him against double teams as strong as he is in pass rush with his power moves. Uh, he doesn't anchor very well um, and doesn't hold the blocks in the run game very well. He can get displaced. I also don't think his uh, lateral mo- mobility is elite. Sometimes I think he has a hard time changing direction after he explodes. I think that's one of the reasons maybe we didn't see him do the agilities at the combine where his uh, jumps were phenomenal. Let me pull it up here real quick. Um, for his size, a vertical jump in the 90th percentile of a uh, 38 inches is pretty darn good for a 266 uh, pound edge rusher. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's a that's a big Greek person jumping out of the gym. Um, but uh, the run for how big and strong he is, I think the run defense actually could be a little bit better. Uh, incredible motor, um, really hard worker. I think he's also one of the youngest players in this draft class. Well, as well, only 20 years old, I believe, um, or will only be 20 years old as drafted. So you have a lot of. Uh, juice as far as the age growth for him or age development curve is for him as well um so i do like him a lot uh i was mocking him to the broncos when i thought the broncos would be picking maybe you know 15 to 25 um i, I guess they're not picking there either they're picking way later <laughs> but uh <laughs> no he he should go in the first round i think just because the position you play is the edge rushing position getting after the quarterback it's really valuable and he's still so young as well so um i think he definitely should go as well i think there should be let me see one two three, four, five, six, seven, seven edge rushers taken in the first round. Yeah, that uh, easily would not surprise me. And now it's time to play one of our favorite games here on Sports Crunch. It's called Buy or Sell. And in this game, we dive into an edge prospect that we have not talked about yet, or not talked about in depth at least. And uh, you tell us whether you buy or sell their long-term NFL potential, starting with the guy who stole the show at the Senior Bowl, Jermaine Johnson. I'm buying Jermaine Johnson. Um, I didn't know if I would buy him at first as a top 10 pick, but the length, the then testing to match that, I know he's a little bit older and like, well, why didn't he have the production at Georgia? It's because he was being used in a role where he was kind of like Trevon Walker, um, you know, like line up at a five technique and much more about uh, the, the run defense first and letting those linebackers flow downhill and get after the quarterback. Um, he had, I think the, one of the fat, one of the best stats for edge rushers is the 10 yard split. And I think Jermaine Johnson had the second best 10 yard split of any edge rusher at the combine this year. 
Um, his vertical jump wasn't elite, but his broad jump was. And then the, uh, the wing length, the, the wingspan, um, the arm length, 34 inches, very, very good for an edge rusher. And again, you're talking about somebody who brings value on, he can rush the passer, but he's so good in the run defense on first and second down that you can play lighter boxes and not worried about him getting pushed off the point of attack blind, blindside style, kind of like a Broncos edge rusher, Malik Reed, who like in first and second down just gets killed in the run game to the point where he's detrimental being on the field for you on those downs. Um, you won't have that with uh, Jermaine Johnson. He's a dog in the run game and then can get up the passer as well. Another intriguing prospect that I talked about on the last episode with Bill Carroll, when we went over the defensive tackle group, Logan Hall. And what makes Logan Hall intriguing is that some, including Dane Brewer, believe he's better off at edge at the NFL level. Do you buy or sell Logan Hall as an edge long-term in the NFL? I think he can do edge. It depends on your defense. Um, but I think in base downs, he can do edge and then kick inside and sub packages. It really depends on what your look is. Like if it's a first and five kind of thing or a second and two, and you want to make sure you're protecting yourself from the run game, while you can still get some uh, pass rush there. I think he can do that. I love him as a five technique and more of the classic five technique role. Not every single team is running that kind of front anymore, but um, I think he can do edge, but not in, not in a, uh, a true pass down set situation. I think he's a, I think he's a really good three technique. And despite his height, um, that dude fights with his hands constantly looking to get off blocks uh, pretty good with his leverage too. Um, so I, I really do like Logan Hall. I'm curious to see where he goes in the draft. Some people think he's one of the best interior defensive linemen in this class, um, honestly. So it, it'll be fun to see. Yeah. That four eye position is a position that he could really, really thrive at uh, according to uh, Bill Carroll and many other people I have spoken mm -hmm. with about him. Yeah. Uh, Penn State, Arnold Ebikitty. Last year we saw Dafe Owe. This year, Arnold Ebikitty, buy or sell? I'm buying Arnold Ebikitty as well. Um, man, he's what I love about Arnold Ebikitty is that while he's not the the biggest in the world, uh, he's got the length and he's super explosive uh, still. So, and, man, he absolutely talk about all these freaking Big Ten edge rushers. Man, I'm getting PTSD thinking about them against Iowa. Um, he was in the backfield <laughs> against Iowa like crazy um, whipping on them um, got long arms. He always wins the uh, always wins the leverage battle as well. I mean, he's only what six, two ish off the top of my head, but I thought he had uh, over 34 inch arms um, and he can play a little bit inside outside. I, I really like him as well. I'm there's no way in heck he falls to the Broncos at 64, but he'd be a great player for them. Um, I'm buying Arnold Evichetti for sure. I'm kind of glad you brought the Broncos up because as I'm sure, you know, I am both a Broncos fan and a Bears fan. And now that the Bears trade Cleo Mack, both the Bears and Broncos are in need of some long-term edge rusher depth at the very least, so to speak. Do you think Arnold Kitty would be a good pick for the Bears to spend with one of their two early seconds? Yeah. Um, I guess it really depends on Iberflus' defense. I think he's looking for maybe even a little bit bigger bodies than Arnold Ebiketti there. I mean, just based on the bodies they've drafted there uh, for the Colts defense recently where I think Ebiketti would probably be a little bit better in a defense where he's allowed to play stand-up a little bit more, um, maybe more seven men in the box, spinning his ears back, you know, not the gap and a half going on there. But um, you need pass rushers, right? And he's versatile and strong enough. He, he's a dude. I, I don't think he's going to bust at all. So um, it'd be fine. I'm just curious if there's other fits that might be better for you in the draft. Yeah, it's going to be very intriguing to see how the Bears and Broncos address that position on day two of the draft. And moving on to Oklahoma's Nick Benito, buy or sell? I buy him in a very specific role. He just has no speed to power um, when he arrives with contact with a lot of uh, offensive tackles, especially big 12 offensive tackles. I feel like he doesn't get much displacement. There's not much jarring, but he's a very good athlete. Um, I think as a 
guy who can be moved around a bit and be protected on first and second down to be fine. Um, especially pin is used back as a true pass rusher on third down, but I'm looking for him to be more of a, you know, Kyle Van Noir, you know, used in pass coverage as much as anything too. Uh, but he can get after it. He's explosive. He's a good athlete. It's just, you need, I, I'm going to let you know my biases right now. I really like the power rushers, um, guys who can really jar guys at the point of attack. I want to be explosive too. They can't be like as slow as a uh, Kingsley and Igbare. And uh, that's, I know he's a power guy with link, but he's just not, not enough pop um, as far as getting out of his stance. Um, but Benito is kind of not the guy that I like to um, go with at the edge rusher spot. Sam Williams, buy or sell Sam Williams of Ole Miss. If Sam Williams didn't have the off field incident, he'd be, he'd be talking about a guy pushing into the first round. Um, he's that level of explosive with popping his hands length. Um, he does have plays uh, on and off where he a little bit cotton cold, uh, but man, he is so explosive and bursty. Um, really jars guys at the point of attack. Uh, I think he had they at the zebra data, zebra technology, I think is what it's called at the senior bowl where they use a lot of GPS data. Um, he had the most um, explosive movements or plays of any uh, player recorded um, since they started collecting that data um, in a single practice. I believe that's all the time. I don't, don't quote me directly on that one, um, but he's really fun again, but he has a sexual battery case that was dismissed which could have him fall, you know, who knows, you know, he could fall all the way to day three because of that. Um, or he could go in the top 50 uh, because he is that type of pass rusher, in my opinion. And uh, back to the Broncos for a moment, uh, Dalvin cook. I remember in 2017 had major character red flags yet. The mm -hmm. George Payton and Rick Spielman and the Vikings uh, did a lot of investigating on him and ended up taking him in the second round. You could very well see history repeat itself with the Broncos at 64 with Sam Williams. Yeah, definitely possible. I mean, they're going to have to do their work on him. <laughs> that's that's the bottom line of it. But Sam Williams had a phenomenal combine. Um, I wish he was a little bit longer, but I think he's about 260 um, and ran like a maniac. His tape is really good. Um, and he was elated. He, I think he was at the Shrine Bowl first and dominated there and then was there for two practices um, at the Senior Bowl as well and had a really good week. So I really like Sam Williams. Um, his tape says he should go top 50, top 40. But again, with that, sexual battery case against him who knows um that's just it's hard to say yeah you have to be very very vigilant about that and whatever team uh, takes him better do every inch of homework on him as possible another yeah. uh, unique uh, developmental prospect dominique robertson of miami of ohio buy or sell i'll be honest i have not watched much dominique robertson to have an opinion on him right now um definitely need to get to him before the uh end of the uh end of the season. Now that the Broncos are going to be uh, drafting edge rushers there, I believe he was the one that uh, is he the one that converted from wide receiver to edge rusher. Am I uh, mixed? Or is that I'm the Western sure. Kentucky edge rusher? Okay. Um, well, Dominique Robertson, I'm gonna have to do a pass on this one uh, because I don't want to speak out of ignorance. I have not watched him as much yet. A guy who you are pretty high on Joshua Paschal of Kentucky by herself. <laughs> am buying josh pascal as a uh edge rusher i mean i'm buying him as a person too um he beat cancer and came back to football a couple years ago um he's been really high up in tackles for losses uh, he's a versatile pass rusher as well i do wish that sometimes on tape he had a little bit more burst but then he comes at the combine and is like one of the top uh seven or eight guys at the 10 yard split despite weighing uh, 270 pounds as an edge rusher so uh he really interests me a lot he is uh, full on pursuit. Um, I love him on early downs as far as uh, 
the run defense and then getting after it. And he's super explosive. Um, his, uh, his vertical jump, I believe was, oh, let me pull it up. His vertical jump, 38 inches and his broad was 123 inches for a guy who is uh, 268 pounds. I mean, that's, that's a lot of lower body explosiveness. And I know that they said this year at Indy was a fast track because they changed the turf um, back in 2020. So a lot of teams are like, you know, kind of skeptical of the 40 times themselves. The fast turf isn't helping anybody jump higher or farther, right? Those vertical jumps are good historical ones. And it's to be 90th percentile and 86th percentile in the broad jumps at his weight. Um, there's a lot of uh, positives there. I think his RAS score was also above nine. Um, so I would love Pascal there for the Broncos at pick uh, 64. Um, I think that's probably about where he's going to go as well. A little bit older for an edge rush because he had some time away off the field beating cancer. Um, but again, and also he's a leader for that Kentucky team, which really a tough SEC, right? And he's helped them turn around this year and um, be one of the upstart teams in that division. And another another uh, team that uh, beat my Hawkeyes this year. And another guy kind of like Logan Hall, who uh, has that inside-outside versatility, albeit with tweener traits. And I interviewed this guy at the Senior Bowl, Cameron Thomas of San Diego State, buy or sell as an edge. I'm going to sell on Cameron Thomas. I like the, uh, I like the stats. I do not think he is explosive enough as a pass rusher and almost too tweenery, um, to stick there. And I, it's, it's almost the DeMarcus Walker syndrome where it's like, I don't know if you can hang as a against double teams on the inside, especially on first and second down. I don't know if you have the bend or the burst or the explosiveness or the flexibility to play on the edge. So Cam Thomas, I know the stats are good, but when I watch it, I'm just like, I'm not seeing the traits or an exact rule for him, um, especially with the run defense. I mean, if you're going to be the kind of guy who goes inside outside, you're going to have to be able to hang against some double teams sometimes, and especially not get driven back by uh, guards and centers one-on-ones. And I just did not see that consistently enough from him. My Jay Sanders of Cincinnati. I would buy him round three. Um, probably not earlier than that. Uh, well, so hard Cincinnati. What are they playing a three, three, five stack or a three, two, six or whatever. His role is so hard to get tape, uh, to replicable tape or a projectable tape from him. Um, I know at the combine, he measured, what was it? Two twenty or two thirty, something crazy, which is concerning. Um, but he's bursty. He's got some good production there. I think if you're talking about middle of round three, uh, to the end of round three, I'd be interested in him there. Probably probably about the same as cam Thomas, honestly, but I feel like cam Thomas has been rated a little bit higher recently. Um, so you know, buy or sell, <laughs> it depends on where we're buying or selling, right? That's always the question. Um, so, uh, I would be happy with him the middle of round three. Yes. I like a lot of his traits. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be a full-time starter as an edge rusher. Um, but uh, he, I think he does have a lot of good things going for him as well. Um, just the weight what two thirty the combine. That's, that's an outlier. I think he was zero percentile if zero is even a word um, for weight for uh, the defensive end position or the edge rusher position. And last but not least, Alex Wright of UAB by herself. Mm. I like Alex Wright. He's a little bit stiff, but I mean, he's, he's massive, right? So that's always going to be the case um, for him. Six, seven, two seventy. Um, don't know if he's going to be able to, is he going to be a three, four defensive end or is he going to be an edge rusher in a four, three? I don't know. Um, the height does scare me a little bit uh, for him because I'm not sure if he's flexible enough with his hands and I don't have the tape with him inside enough to know like Logan Hall, he's tall, but he shows that he fights leverage constantly with his hands and is able to get down there um, and battle to fight, to stay low. I'm not sure if that's the same for Alex, Wright, Um, But man, he's massive. Um, there's going to be a role for him in the league, whether it be a heavy edge. I don't know if he's truly explosive enough to be the power edge, like 
a guy that's the, the perfect prototype for this right now is like Cam Jordan. I don't know if he's that type of athlete, um, but uh, there's going to be a role for him, even if it's a you know more of a or a first and second down edge, and then taken off the field later. Probably around uh, day three kind of guy though. He is Nick Kendall, ladies and gentlemen, milehighhuddle.com. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Kendall, M-H-H. And by the way, Nick is also an epidemiologist extraordinaire and currently living in Seattle, Washington, by the way. Enjoying those hikes and uh, keeping up the good fight against uh, infectious diseases in the process as well. So, Nick, uh, salute to you for all the work that you've helped contribute to to help uh, put this COVID pandemic at a much more manageable level. Uh, than it was when it initially surfaced. So a big mile high salute to you, so to speak. And before we let you go, let's talk about some of the best possible destinations for these prospects, starting with Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars definitely um, make the list at one, but if he didn't go to Jacksonville, where would you put him? I would love him in Detroit just for the Dan Campbell biting kneecaps and the hometown story. But we're talking about, you know, the narrative there, I think, is better um, than with Jacksonville, who I thought things maybe could be good, positive for Jacksonville. And then the uh, free agency period happened and we're right back to what the heck is going on uh, in the pain handle of Georgia. Uh, uh, Nor- Northern Florida. And, and it's not the Florida panhandle, so to speak, but, but it's, no, it's uh, along that. It's, uh... it's the opposite end of the world to me. But um, yeah, yeah, it's. <laughs> I've driven through there once, <laughs> but uh, it's yeah more of the the Gulf, excuse me, Gulf ish area of Florida, right? Am I wrong? I, I don't even I, I actually know. It's uh, it's the eastern part of Florida, I believe. What? I gotta look at this. It's, nor- it's northeast Florida, I think. Yeah, you are one hundred percent correct. Oh. oh my God, you're totally right. They're on the Atlantic. <laughs> well, see, that's I, I even I even was really good at the geography B, B when I was in third grade. It was a long time ago. Uh, yeah, well, uh, that's what life does, and. Uh, the best possible fit for Trayvon Walker. Best possible fit for Trayvon Walker. Oh, man, I would really like him to go to the. Gosh, I want him to come to Seattle Seahawks. Let's see him play for the Seahawks. They're looking for a base edge. They drafted like LJ Collier uh, to play edge for them a few years ago because they really do want to stop that run still on first and second down. He's going to go before that. Um, but uh, I think that would be a great fit for him. Maybe the New York Giants as well, but uh, we'll see if they're stu- they still have the fifth and seventh pick. Uh, indeed, and uh, the Giants, um, word has it that Joe Shane might be eyeing a trade down from one of those two spots, given all the needs they have on that roster. Yeah, makes sense. Makes and what, sense. what about the best possible landing spot for Kayvon Thibodeau? That's another one. Seattle, really, I think would be awesome for him. You'll keep him up in the Pacific Northwest. I think Pete Carroll's a player's coach, uh, maybe sometimes a little bit offbeat. And Seattle's an offbeat town, so uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, I think, would be an interesting one to get. Yes, and David Ojabo. David Ojabo. I would really like to see David Ojabo in. Uh, oh God, I was going to say the Chargers, but that's uh, just because you know they need more pass rush. They can never have enough pass rush, right? I know they have Mac and Bosa, but you got some injuries there, and uh, Ojabo's ability to pin his ears back would be really interesting for them. Um, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Uh, they got three picks and about the Ranger. I think he's going to go. I know they signed Hassan Walk or Hassan Reddick, but uh, more pass rushers would be helpful for them too, especially when you have three first round picks. They're going to have to use an edge on one of them. That's Howie Roseman 101. Oh, absolutely. And, and as you mentioned, uh, Cleo Mack, uh, not only uh, has he had a lot of injuries the past couple of years, which is, I believe, one of the reasons why the Bears were willing to move him. Uh, he's also 31 years old. He's no spring chicken. And uh, you might need a long term uh, running mate uh, opposite of uh, Joey Bosa and uh, Ojabo uh, could be excellent in uh, 
not just uh, adding depth to that room, but uh, providing insurance in case Mac can't stay healthy. Yep. And Bosa. Bosa's had injuries too. Um, I think the Chargers probably looking wide receiver or cornerback right now, but uh, who knows? We'll see. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I would like to add another potential fit I like for Ojabo. The Cowboys. Yeah. The Cowboys, mm, uh, obviously, with the uh, Randy Gregory cr- contract kerfuffle, so to speak. Uh, but they still got Demarcus Lawrence, and you still want to uh, line up Micah Parsons on the edge whenever you can. But uh, you're going to need another edge rusher so Micah Parsons can play his fair share of snaps at linebacker, and Ojabo would be very perfect for that. And uh, Lance Zierlein compared him to uh, Cliff Averill, who Dan Quinn coached mm-hmm. in Seattle. So I think Dan Quinn would really love David Ojabo. Yeah, another one would make sense right around there is Arizona. Just losing Chandler Jones, looking for another lengthy pass rusher. Uh, that would be make some sense too. Do, is the question is is Ojabo falling to twenty three or twenty four overall? Uh, based on his traits, I would say no, but that's just a guess, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. The best possible landing spot for Boye Mafe. Best possible landing spot for Boye Mafe. Ugh, do I say it? I think Kansas City is the best spot for him. Um, inside outside with uh, Chris Jones going on on there. Frank Clark is a contract they restructured, but they're probably going to try to move on from him pretty soon. Chiefs in the AFC West, you're going to have to be able to get after the quarterback. And uh, I think Kansas City would be a great fit for him. Oh, that would absolutely make sense. Uh, George Karloftis. Ooh, George Karloftis, best fit. Hmm. I'm going to go with, gosh, um, I think I will go with if the, so let's say that uh, Aiden Hutchinson goes number one overall. Um, and that means that the Lions don't take him at number two. How about the Lions at 34? Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, maybe just barely falling out of the first round there. Um, and then going to a team that's again, looking to fill their off, uh, fill their team with blue collar, tough players. Some, and they need some help with the edge rusher position terribly. I mean, Trey flowers is gone. I know the lions also pick at 32. Uh, maybe either one of those spots would be really interesting for them. Oh yes. And uh, there's increasing buzz that should Aiden Hutchinson go number one overall is expected. The lions could go with Malik Willis. With the second yeah. overall pick. And uh, the, the, the buzz is very real. And uh, how do we know it's real? Check Vegas. Vegas has Malik Willis and Kyle Hamilton as co-favorites for the number two overall pick to the Lions at the moment. So if you want to um, cash in on a bet about Malik Willis going two overall, you, you better go now. <laughs> That's all I could say. Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson. Ah, man, this is one that I think would be great for the uh, – Minnesota Vikings. Um, they're a team that they've been terrible against the run recently. They're looking to move on from uh, the likes of uh, Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, you know, a memory now. Um, so that's a team that really could use some pass rush there. Um, and I really, I really like Trevon Walker's fit there, um, especially um, going on there with Ed Donatel. You, going on, you're trying to play lighter boxes. Jermaine Johnson helps you a heck of a lot on one side of the line of scrimmage to uh, make it that you can uh, hopefully play lighter boxes. And last but not least, best possible landing spot for Logan Hall. Logan Hall. Mm, interesting. God, he would just be a demon on the uh, Patriots, wouldn't he? Ah, that's the question is his range, right? Like, where is he actually going to go? Um, heck, no, heck, I know it's the most fun. The Ravens. Get him on that Ravens defensive line. You know, they got so many pieces there that have to rotate the bodies. Um, you got, they just brought in Michael Pierce back. Uh, they're maybe going to bring Zedaria Smith, who knows, but Jason Owe. Um, so you can do so many things with Logan Hall there for that Ravens front defense. I think that'd be a lot of fun. It most certainly would. And uh, Nick, before we officially conclude business here, um, 
it would be a disservice to not include what we've already talked about early on in the program. As the news broke while we were recording this podcast, uh, Deshaun Watson's final choice will come down between the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. And I just want you to give us your view as to which of those two teams would be the best possible landing spot for him because it's as good as a draft pick, so to speak, if not better. Deshaun Watson? Yeah. Um, best spot for him. I work with a Falcons fan um, on one of my morning shows, uh, Scott Kennedy. So I'm going to say the Falcons just because things would be much more interested um, if he was on there. Nick Kendall, ladies and gentlemen, milehighhuddle.com. Catch him with Scott Kennedy on the Broncos for Breakfast podcast on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Is that right? Yep. Yes, sir. And the Building the Broncos podcast with Carl Dumbler. And check out his articles on the NFL draft and more at milehighhuddle.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at Nick Kendall, M-H-H. Nick, thank you so much once again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back soon to continue our 2022 Dash to the Draft series with a look at the wide receiver and tight end classes. So stay tuned. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at Sports Crunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and improved sportscrunch.com where my first mock draft of the 2022 cycle is now posted and where a second mock should be headed your way within the next couple of weeks. For Nick Kendall, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and whatever you're doing, please keep the brave people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool.